Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. It's mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to episode 138 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. My name is Tim Robertson. I'm the host of the podcast and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thank you for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes, publishes detailed reports concerning these objects in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it going. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon by giving as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash Observer's Notebook. And if you'd like to join the Alpo, membership begins as only at only $18 a year. For more information, find us out at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find us on the Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And this also podcast has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. And if you do enjoy what you hear in the podcast and never want to miss an episode, please subscribe. And now, episode 138, and we're going to talk radio astronomy. Enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to this edition of the Observer's Notebook podcast, and we're very lucky to have a return visitor to the podcast, uh, Steve Siakis. He's also he's been a member of the Alpo since about 2012, and he's also part of the Society of Amateur Radio Astronomers, or SARA, they call it. Uh, he has a master's degree in chemical engineering, and today we're going to talk about radio astronomy and observing and how it can be applied to solar system so uh, lunar, uh, lunar planetary observing. Uh, Steve, what's the basis of radio astronomy and how can members get involved? Uh, thanks, Tim, for that introduction. We can observe the sky and radio because it's one of the two broad ranges on the electromagnetic spectrum that can penetrate the Earth's atmosphere. The other is optical. The difference between the two is frequency. Radio is much longer in wavelength and lower in frequency than visible light. For solar and planetary astronomy, ALPO members can get involved by buying a radio astronomy kit where one assembles the radio telescope and installs software. One kit is called SuperSID, which observes ionospheric disturbances called by, caused by solar activity. The other kit is Radio Joe that observes Jupiter storms. And a third kit, involves geophysics and is called INSPIRE, which requires electronic component assembly. One can also access the internet for a radio meteor station 
to collect and measure data. For SuperSID and Radio Joe, data can be submitted to the University of Stanford and NASA respectively. In short, starting with existing observation programs for solar, planetary, meteor, and geophysics is a good choice. Okay. Now, are these are these beginner programs easy? Uh, how affordable are they? Uh, uh, yes, they are easy. They are meant to be citizen science programs and are in an affordable range under $300. Some of these uh, kits, like the Radio Jove program, can become very sophisticated citizen science observation uh, for advanced radio astronomer observers, requiring much more than the original simple use of the kit. Now, are these kits, you, do you personally own these kits? Uh, I only own some. I have a Super SID, um, and uh, I, I make use of a 20-meter um, uh, radio telescope, which I, I plan to talk about later in another po- podcast. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so how can someone learn to be more advanced in radio astronomy? Uh, some of these citizen science groups have large internet presences and forums for further exploration by the interested person. At some point, it's a good idea to join Sarah and interact with their members. They host a couple conferences a year and have a journal, and membership is very affordable, on par with ALPL's membership costs. There you'll find more ways to explore radio astronomy and sharpen your skills. Along the way, you'll meet people with unique expertise and who can help you with insights to your projects. Well, now, okay, you're on this podcast for the ALPO. How can the ALPO, what role can we play in radio astronomy? Well, if you read the ALP mission statement, and I happen to have it here, and I'm (laughs) going to read it to you, it says... The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers is an international organization devoted to study the sun, moon, planets, asteroids, meteors, and comets. Our goal is to stimulate, coordinate, and generally promote the study of these bodies using methods and instruments that are available within the communities of both amateur and professional astronomers. The AFPL collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, the journal ALPO, otherwise known as the Strolling Astronomer. So that's quite a mission statement. And and that's also how I introduce every single podcast with that. (laughs) I, I actually read that statement. So I know our listeners have heard me drill that into their brains for many, many years. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's quite a mission statement. And it indicates that the ALPL has a goal of advancing knowledge. So to do that, observers will need to develop advanced radio astronomy skills. This will by far be the greatest challenge for observers in the ALPO if they decide to create ALPO observing programs that would facilitate a radio astronomy section. Uh, furthermore, there are multiple observation areas in radio astronomy. It's not just the matter of becoming an expert in one topic. So if there's a coordinated effort within the ALPL to promote the study of solar system radio astronomy, 
I think advanced observers will probably need to be found external to ALPO who can join the organization and assist in these efforts. So do you think ALPO members can reach that level of sophistication and make unique radio astronomy observations? Uh, Yes, I do. Uh, That's why I wrote a set of radio astronomy articles in the ALPO journal advocating a radio astronomy section in the ALPO. However, that's not going to happen quickly. Uh, just as the ALPL has many observing sections now for optical astronomy, there is an assortment of observing possibilities for radio astronomy, all requiring a high level of sophistication to decide on unique targets of study and amateur methodology for observing and an appropriate database to compile results. To develop such people will take years to attract existing amateurs means offering them a ALPL infrastructure in which to work that is better than wherever they are now. Until that point is reached, the ALPO can take only small steps to generate interest and build out some resource page information on its website. So I don't want to sound pessimistic, but each grand journey starts out with some humble steps. The volume of data and articles on SuperSID and Radio Jove, uh, for example, is enormous. It spans many organizations and extremely creative researchers. Well, let's go back to the beginning. How did you get your start in radio astronomy? I, I, you were you you joined the ALPO and I think immediately went into the training program too. You were a student of mine and you passed through that. And what brought you into radio astronomy? Uh, well, I joined the ALPO and, and Sarah about the same time. Uh, I think that was end of 2012 or 2013. Um, so Sarah was the, the use to use uh, some professional radio astronomy, radio telescope dishes. Uh, so I joined Sarah and immediately attended one of their conferences because they looked very interesting. At the conference, I bought an itty bitty telescope or IBT, <laughs> as well as the Super Sid I mentioned. And I got to use a 40-foot radio telescope dish at the conference and also the remote-use 20-meter radio telescope. Excuse me, what what, what is an itty-bitty telescope? Um, They look like the small telescopes you have for reception of satellite TV, but you can use them to a limited extent. uh, For radio astronomy, particularly, you you can hone in on the, the sun and um, uh, satellites. So they're very good for demos and learning some principles. Okay. Um, And then the other important thing, um, uh, to give myself a structured learning approach, I followed the Astronomical League's radio astronomy observing program and worked my way through to the gold level. Uh, If you want to learn how to do solar and planetary observing, one really needs to learn something about all types of radio astronomy observing as it provides essential learning experiences, helpful in solar and planetary observing. I recommend buying, I recommend trying H-line observing too. That's hydrogen line observing. The SARA website has an affordable kit for H-line observing and it's called Scope in the Box. Scope in the Box. Okay. So uh, you've been doing this a while now. What are some of the challenges you've seen? Uh, well, the field, uh, well, it's a field where you never stop learning. You can even make the case that radio astronomy is more electrical engineering than it is astronomy. Mm. Uh, with that in mind, 
you can easily step into a graduate university level skill set. Many amateur radio astronomers build their own radio telescopes and write their own software. Some organizations like Astropiler Stockert have detected fast radio bursts, which is also part of the cutting edge of professional radio astronomy. So amateurs can make very significant contributions. This level of sophistication requires a significant education and experience to understand the challenges and overcome them. Okay, now you've talked about the Skynet, which I hate the name Skynet, but Skynet 20-meter radio telescope. What is it? Um, Well, the 20-meter radio telescope dish is a real professional instrument, and it's available to the public through various mechanisms. For example, Sarah has an account with the 20-meter telescope, and its members can have access to it. Likewise, other astronomy organizations have accounts, including some local astronomy clubs. You must be a U.S. citizen if you want to use the 20-meter radio telescope, and that requirement on being a U.S. citizen is mandated by the NSF grant. You must also state that you only observe non-man-made astronomical sources and objects and will not provide telescope access to any other individual. In addition, it is possible for a person to obtain their own personal account. The radio telescope, 20-meter radio telescope, can be used for solar, lunar, and certain planetary observing. Hmm. So uh, let's go back. You must state that you cannot observe non-man-made astronomical sources. You mean like satellites and things like that? Exactly. Okay. They're not, you don't, they don't want you to be able to hack into. <laughs> I think that's the reason. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Uh, so let's say I want to start radio astronomy tomorrow. What, what steps do you think I should take? Uh, there are a few uh, basic first steps. Membership in the Society of Amateur Radio Astronomers is, in my opinion, the best option on learning and overview on radio astronomy. But there's other options, too. You can sign up to the SARA listserv, and you don't need to be a member of SARA to sign up. It's an email forum, and it gives anyone a feel for the breadth and complexity of radio astronomy conversation. You can browse the SARA website. You can review the solar system section on it and browse the beginners tab under the Sarah section introduction page, as well as the education link on the top ribbon of the Sarah page. Also, you can attend the Sarah conference. The Eastern conference has demonstrations on the lawn. lawn. One can also access that uh, 40-foot radio telescope. It's on the campus of the Green Bank Observatory and as well as the 20-meter radio telescope, the remote telescope. Or you can just start observing. Purchase one of those low-cost kits, the Inspire Radio Receiver Kit, a Super SID kit, or the Radio Jove, or visit the Live Radio Meteors webpage. All right. I'll add links to Sarah and the Live Live Radio Meteors website in the show notes so people can easily access those directly from this podcast. Okay. So if someone wants to start, Tomorrow, what's the learning curve like? I mean, how long does it take someone to get up and running? Uh, Well, if you start out with simple observation kits, they're not terribly difficult. But the field of radio astronomy observation is large and relatively new. Even for amateurs, uh, there are opportunities to develop the field. Um, However, such opportunities, the more advanced ones, require dedicated self-starters, 
who can apply the science and engineering of radio astronomy into meaningful observations and data sets. While individuals can hone their personal radio astronomy skills, there are many reasons why individuals would want to associate in groups of like-minded observers. It takes a team of uh, people, various skill sets to make quality radio astronomy observations that can be useful to professionals and encourage others to make similar observations. I'm not going to say it's impossible to become a proficient radio astronomy observer, say in a couple of years, but it will take dedication and a lot of free time to educate oneself to make the more advanced uh, radio observations and to interpret them properly. Now, joining these organizations, is there a mentorship type program available? Uh, y- yes, you can find them, uh, but they require involving uh, access and resources, participating in some learning experiences, and applying the knowledge acquired to a growing loop of more challenging circumstances. Any mentors you can find are usually volunteers with very little time. I would recommend learning something first about the field to show a person is serious. In my opinion, I think a potential mentor would prefer persons who've already tried to apply themselves and who can assist the mentor with various projects they're working. There are not, there are not enough volunteers yet to broaden the field of amateur astronomy to its full potential, though advances in technology are quite creating many opportunities for citizen science. In this respect, amateurs could contribute an important role to the growing to growing the field and find a like-minded mentor. One usually finds these opportunities by getting involved in radio astronomy activities and being alert for those opportunities as they appear. That's great. Now, uh, this is the first part of, of two parts of podcasts we're going to do. We're gonna, your, your listeners are listening to this one now, and in a few down the road, you, we're going to be hearing the second one, which we're going to talk specifically about the 20-meter telescope, correct? That's correct. So anyone yeah. with a passion for astronomy should learn something about radio astronomy. That's so and I think the 20-meter radio telescope is a good way to do that. I, I think they'll be delighted with what they find. Okay. You have anything else you'd like to share before we uh, move on with this? I think, uh, um, as I said, uh, if you like astronomy, you're going to like radio astronomy too. It's a it's a unique field. It's, it's it's worth a try. It's a great hobby. There's so many different avenues people can get into. I mean, it's from building telescopes to using telescopes to photography to now radio astronomy. And we recently have a brand new section in the Alpo, the exoplanet section too. So yes. So it's, it's like, where would do we find all the time to do these great things? Yeah. That's a challenge in itself too. Now, now be, if, if we start up a section in the Alpo with uh, radio astronomy, will that work with or in coordination with Sarah? I think the field is so big that I really don't see competing with okay. other organizations. I, I think they can help each other out. That'd be great. Um, so uh, I don't see that. Um, uh, I think uh, if if ALPO gets to the point of of wanting to set up a um, radio astronomy section or a pre-radio astronomy section, they'll have to um, attract some of those advanced observers that mm-hmm. are really good in particular areas of radio astronomy and try to come up with something unique to observe. 
Okay. Uh, that's not been um, uh, 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 looked at as far as a, a program goes and how contribute uh, to that. So I think there's a lot of room where um, uh, we don't have to be too concerned about competition. I think there's um, it's it's quite a large field where we can complement each other. Great. And with that, Steve, I want to thank you again for coming on the podcast today. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again want to take, thank Steve Jackus for coming on the podcast and giving us a brief overview of radio astro- astronomy. Thanks a lot, Steve. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. You can also hear us on Apple Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, Echo, Spotify, and we also have a YouTube channel now where all of our podcasts are slowly being migrated over to, to YouTube. So if that's the format you're interested in listening to them on, then more than welcome to go over there and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon by giving up to $35 a month. We receive one year's membership to the Alpo and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producers of this podcast, Steve Seedentop and Michael Moyer for their generous support. The link for Patreon as well as the link for the Alpo is in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at at ObserversNBPod. And now next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening.